Game begin. Hey, Dagum Nerds fans, welcome to another episode of Dagum Nerds. Tonight, I am joined by our True Believer patrons. We've got Daniel in the house. Hi, guys. <laughs> so enthusiastic. He's happy to be here. And of course, it wouldn't really be a True Believer patron episode without the Rob Fasta. When in doubt, always follow your nose. Especially when you're a father of a, of an infant. Amen to that. That is the best form of poop checking I can verify. Um, but tonight we are talking Rings of Power Season 1. So we have got so many thoughts. What was good? What was bad? What were the Harfoots? We have that in store but it, it's also been a bit since we've been here behind the mic it's it's been uh you know a month plus hiatus for us since our last episode so what's been up with you guys any any significant life events between now and when we last convened in september i'm trying to think here what has my daughter done <laughs> what has not she done? done uh rowan actually did something today that was hilarious he went to his first chiropractor in point appointment, believe it or not. Really? For a three-year-old, um, he's actually had some gastrointestinal problems. And I am talking like adult-level farts. Oh. And I know that sounds silly, and it was initially, but then after a while, we're like, okay, maybe there's something wrong here because he's complaining constantly that his, tum his tummy hurts, but it's like, it's an upper level, which is not the same as like a, a tummy ache. So anyway, um, we ended up getting checked out just by our regular pediatrician. And they're like, well, you may actually want to go check out a chiropractor to see it, it might be like a nerve slash gastrointestinal thing that they can work out there, which I <laughs> never heard of before. I never once thought my stomach hurts. I should go to a chiropractor. Um, <laughs> but turned out it really helped them. Um after doing some adjustments and like did some manipulations in the stomach region area, it like helped release some things. And there was actually a little bit of a hernia and Ooh. now he's feeling much better. But the silly thing was, is he was lying down on his back on the chiropractor chair. And in the middle of the exam, he goes, Hey, I've got some really good dance moves. And then like didn't did a bridge arch back stuck his leg up in the air and started like bouncing up and down in front of the doctor <laughs> just, you just can't you can't ex there is no anticipating these things from your three-year-old like you just you never know what they're going to throw at you next so uh, never up, a dull moment straight up went Poof, dance mode Oh, tr like it was straight up bluey, just dance mode boom, 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 <laughs> in the middle of the chiropractor office. So he, I, I think that was definitely the most interesting patient he had seen all day. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would bet money on it. A break dancing three-year-old. I would have felt that our, that our own personal three-year-old experiences would have prepared us for this. <laughs> not well, apparently not. Um, the only like <laughs> young experience I remember even being that little is just getting stung by bees. And that's not a good memory. Well, I mean, it's it's happiness and trauma. That's what that's what gets registered in the hippocampus at that age. And yep. uh, I remember stings too, except mine was a red velvet ant. 
Ooh. Have y'all ever heard, or otherwise colloquially known as cow killers? Have y'all ever come across those little? Not personally. No. Not okay, personally. They, they, you know that it's devil spawn because they squeak. They squeak. So if you don't know what they are as a listener, they're these giant ants. I mean, I, I'd say uh, when they get big, they're about the size of your pinky finger. Um, and they get the name red velvet ant because they're a little bit furry and they almost look like red velvet cake because they've got this red fur, but then like a black whitish mixture underbelly. And they're known as cow killers because their bite hurts so bad that they would bite cattle in the fields and the farmers would think that their cow had like mad cow disease because it would just start going insane. Um, and oftentimes they would like, you know, beat themselves to death against the fences or what have you. I mean, cows are not the, the smartest animals on God's green earth. So they are these little ants are known as cow killers. And I was, I was stung by one when I was about two, three years old. I basically just picked it up in my hand and it stung the inside of my hand. And I, I, I mean, as young as I was, I still remember the intense pain of a cow killer red mm. velvet ant. But uh, anyway, when you try to step on them, they're like cockroaches. They're like impossible to kill because they're like flexible um, and they squeak when they're in danger. So it's like this little animal. It's it's weird. Yes, definitely weird. Yeah, I guess the only way to kill them is with fire. Kill it with fire. That's right. <laughs> um, but. No, no other significant life events. Couldn't think of anything, Daniel. With, uh, uh, so, so what I've got is, um, um, so Evelyn has started to recall the names of Bluey episodes. Oh, really? Oh. Yes. Like, and she likes all the new ones. So she's like, I want to watch the new Bluey. So tonight it's like, I want to watch Tina and driving. So she can call out the episodes oh. that she wants to watch. That's which awesome. Is, which is really good. You know, it's like, I enjoy it um, from that part. And then I'm like, can we go watch Sleepy Time? Because daddy needs to cry tonight. Um, or uh, oh, or Dance yeah. Mode. Sleepy Time and Dance Mode are my two favorite episodes. Um, really? Yeah, Dance Mode is lots of fun. And probably one of the best life lessons conveyed at the level of like a four-year-old that I've ever seen. Like the idea of like, is your, does your inside voice say no when your outside voice says yes? Or, you know, like that concept, yeah. trying to convey that to a young audience and doing it so well. I mean, just mm -hmm. hands like clap, right. clap into those writers. It's just yeah. phenom. And then out of the new episodes, I would have to say that my favorite is going to be um, Omelette. Where, <laughs> where, it's where, so uh, true. Chili and Bingo are making an omelet because Evelyn likes to help. She wants to help. She wants mm -hmm. to be able to do stuff um, within helping, like cook things and cook eggs. So it's just like we'll let her stir the eggs, or if I'm cooking hot dogs, I'll let her turn the eggs. She's like, we'll we'll put them on a frying pan and just get get some tongs and like roll them around to to cook them up. So we're just grilling them up and. Uh, She'll help a, a little bit with that way. But, you know, when it comes to running the hand mixer, she's like, nope, that's too loud. I'm going to leave. I don't like it. 
I've contributed my portion. I'm good. Yep. So with, with that being said, you know, the, I, I'd say there's that. Um, and then we are getting ready for a Disney trip. Um, oh, right yeah. after Thanksgiving. Yep. We're going to, we're going to make a trip down to Walt Disney world. All so right. we, bought, we bought tickets before the price increase. So we missed that, but then we're going to have to pay the extra genie plus prices and, now they've got like flex pricing and all this other stuff. So thanks, Bob JPEG. Um, yeah. There, that's how we'll hit the algorithm. They'll they'll hear the name. Um, there you go. But we'll have to go through that. But Evelyn will be free. So and she loves Christmas lights. She loved them last year. I mean, a neighbor's mm. got Halloween lights up right now. She loved those. We went ha- to Stone. wait, wait, wait. Hold up, Halloween lights. Yeah, they. That's got, a like, thing. Yeah. Well, Did you not know? <laughs> So they've got like a purple, like what they have like a purple LED light around their door. And then they've got like the icicle lights, but they have little pumpkins on them. So they're just orange. So they're, they're decorated for Halloween a little bit. What? Okay. And then Stone Mountain Park did like a, like a pumpkin glow or something like that. So they've got something set up in regards to lights there. And we took Evelyn and she loved it. And she loved watching the lights and the light show stuff. I mean, I'm not saying it's not cool. I just thought that was like an exclusively Christmas thing. Like, what are you doing, Halloween? Button into Christmas? Um, hey, Christmas, Christmas butts hey. into, into October. <laughs> Christmas that, well, yeah. is already like active in like Walmart. And I have a friend who was posting like they were at Home Depot and they already had Christmas trees up. We were at Sam's Club the other day and they had Christmas trees out. Okay, so maybe this is Halloween's revenge against Christmas. <laughs> All right, Christmas, yeah. we're going to take some lights with us. So she can sit there and sing all of the Frozen 2 soundtrack. Like, all the songs. <laughs> she can sing Frozen. What it was? What we listen to? So she'll sing uh, Moana songs. She's even learning Aladdin. She good, knows good. Lion King. So it's just like... Those classics. You know, we're, we're getting some of those ones that are like, okay, when I was little, this is what we were listening to. So, or what we had and what we grew up with. So... So you're going to learn this and learn it proper. <laughs> We're going to start you on the essentials. Yes. Akuna Matata. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm, and I've got the guilty pleasure. I'm looking forward to the frozen sing along at Hollywood studios and then being able to take Evelyn and she could sing along with it. And then she's going to have everybody around her singing, which could or could not be a challenge just depending on how things go with that. <laughs> yeah. Whether she's like, yeah, other people know it or like, this is my song (laughs) you never know you never know then the fight begins (laughs) yeah it's over frozen well uh all right enough enough small talk let's talk rings of power all right so we are we are eight episodes in to this epic tale the end of season one and uh you know by the time this episode releases it's been a week and some change since the finale so i want to talk about all right so season wise what did we like what did it do well and then what are some things that eh, maybe we might like to see improved for season two so let's let's start with the highlights so so rob if you had some just top of mind highlights for rinks of power what would it be uh highlights i would say definitely like i said last episode visuals are way up there 
Mm-hmm. For a TV show, which yes, I mean, at what you know, four hundred billion dollars an episode. Or yeah, like you, you would hope. Give it. Yeah, it's something ridiculous, like four hundred fifty million an episode. Like one would hope that your visuals are top notch. But yes, continue. Yeah. Then, I actually enjoyed of all the storylines in the show. I enjoyed Elrond and Durin's friendship the most. Oh, anytime Durin was on the screen. It was, it was, I I mean, I was like sidling up to the edge of my seat. I'm like, oh, yay, more dwarves. So, uh, and, and I, I will say I I was very impressed with the Durin. Let's see, is he Durin the fourth and then his father's Durin the third? Yep. So so wait, so he is Durin the third? Wait, so Uh, he, Elrond's friend is Durin the fourth. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, the na- the dynamic between him and his father, like I I think it's it's fairly complex as far as it you know all right mm-hmm. there there's kind of that initial tension and there's kind of that forgiveness and validation then the like you know you're no prince um, so like I I feel like it it's a very tumultuous but yet feels real in the the dynamics it happening it there. is a very very good dynamic of just. The, the son who's wanting to step out from his father's shadow, but the father who's, who's, I would, I want to say wise in, in decisions he's making because he doesn't want to risk the lives of his people with, 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 a, I want to say experimental things. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's also like the natural animosity between elves and dwarves where mm-hmm. right. Elrond and Durin, they, are the exception you know where they have a friendship and they 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 have had life together you know and they can kind of cross those boundaries whereas during the third is like i'm not gonna have anything to do with those elves you know Mm -hmm. if it's their time to die it's their time to die (laughs) peace (laughs) don't let middle earth hit you on the way out (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh, you know in a way it's almost poetic because you've got elrond who is a a half elf and then Durin who in a way is slightly non-traditional dwarf in the sense that he has a elf as a friend so i mean he's not he's not half dwarf but i mean it's it's kind of they are the uh the missing link kind of figure and they are the ones that forge this friendship um versus the more hardline because i mean gil galhad is very very pro elf you know yeah the, the old ways and then of course during the third is very entrenched in tradition this is how it's always been done so very mm-hmm. interesting but yes absolutely agree anytime during was on the screen um the dynamic between him and elrond i was there for it mm-hmm. and then thoughts? i think i want to give props to to amazon for at least the casting choices that they made with all with all the characters, I want to say it was good casting. I didn't I didn't know how it was going to be, especially with Galadriel, but because you have Kate Blanchett who I know did what an a, excellent oof. job, and so those were mighty big sh- uh, shoes to fill. And I'd say the all the actress and all the other actors and actresses they did a great job at portraying these characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that was one of the most controversial parts of this whole thing going into it was the casting. And I mean, never once did it really 
rankle me beyond like to a distracting level. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, I, I expressed some qualms I had, you know, in our, in our last episode here, but, but now having finished the season, I'm like, you know, uh, you know, they, they I kind of, uh, they're adopted as characters at this point, like, uh, sold. Um, though, of course I do have favorites like, uh, Aaron or Ellen deal. Ellen deal. Yes. Yeah. I, he, by far is my, it, like, as far as casting overall, he's a 10 for 10 for me. Mm-hmm. Like every time he's on screen, just commands it. And I want to see more of him. Like the amount yep. of texture and emotion in his face alone. Oh, um, yeah. Like the man has been built from the sea. He's been carved out of the mast of a ship, it seems. I can't, so. I can't wait to see how his how his acting chops will be when the destruction of Numenor comes because that because mm-hmm. that's that's going to be like bringing all uh all emotions onto the table there oh absolutely and i mean we also know that there's going to be some sort of reunion at some point between him and Isildur because we obviously know he can't have died Mm-hmm. Um, which is why part of me was a bit frustrated that they didn't even tease because like, it's, it's not a question of if a sealer lived, like we know he's alive. Yes. Right. So I don't, I don't know why the story, this, the showrunners feel like they have to extend this carrot into season two. It's like, we know he's alive guys. Like, like you're, you're not, we're not sitting on the edges of our seats to know. Well, they um, just need their uh, horse rescuing its master moment i guess yeah i guess it's the it's the obi-wan conundrum because it's like in in the obi-wan show just to divert a little bit you knew exactly what's going to happen obi-wan and vader fight but they're not going to die nobody's going to get hurt nobody's going to get you know killed off because they have that ultimate plot armor so we know that Mm -hmm. isildur is going to come back uh and and, but i guess maybe it's the journey of how and when you know does he get tempted or beguiled by the you know the huge reveal how brand is sauron which i guess we were all wrong there in our episode one predictions Um, yeah i was i was totally wrong i've heard so i saw so many people guessing that he was sauron but i just didn't want to believe it because i was like it's too obvious he's i know he's a smith he's saying no one else can match my skills and it's just like then it's just this it was hidden in plain sight well i I was with you i like i was taking the dwight schrute method of like no it makes too much sense it's always the person you most middle expect and so that that, that's why i was like it can't be like it's too on the nose and then they were like nope it's on the nose uh well okay then (laughs) i guess it's him um i i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and you know kind of echo the same thing with the casting Mm-hmm. Um, but what I thought was really good, I did, I, I enjoyed the storyline, like the dwarf Casa Doom, all that stuff was excellent. Yes. But I also do like them exploring, like with the Harfoots and the pre Hobbit setup and how some of that the stuff works. Hobbits. Proto Hobbits or, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's like in, in, in the Lord, there are Harfoots cause there's Harfoots, um, what is, what's the other two? There's like three. Uh, there's like three, three total different races of hobbits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, variations, and 
so with those, it's like, okay, so we know that they're borrowing a little bit from it with what they can, you know, cause like there are, there's a whole family line of brandy foots um, mm-hmm. that exist as well. So it's just like, that's, that's a pretty big name and what, how they explored it. And then how they explored the stranger. And I know we'll probably have a whole little segment talking about oh, that specifically. We will, we will definitely but, have but stranger things. I, I do. Th- I did enjoy that storyline as well. Um, and that arc there with the stranger, the Harfoots and those connections. Yeah. I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised at the ire that the Harfoot storyline was getting online. Like I did not realize how much flack they were getting for it being like straight up Irish stereotypes. And I saw one meme that was like, how did these, how did hobbits come from these heartless fiends that leave their sick and elderly behind to die on the trail? I'm just like, it's a matter of survival there. Yeah. But at the same time, they're like, don't fall behind. If you fall behind, you're dead. Cause I mean, like, this guy injures his foot to where he can't walk. And like, there is no help given outside of his immediate family unit. You know, like they're just like, well, sucks to be you. Hope the wolves eat you in all one bite. So you don't feel it. Like, like th- just think about it. Like they're all so nice that you kind of just glance over. And of course the stranger's there to help them. So you don't really see them struggling in that plight. But man, when you start thinking about the implications, like, wait, so if someone just is like, I don't know, has the runs and can't travel. They just leave them behind to die. No questions asked. Like, wow. <laughs> right. Like it's like, and I don't remember the, the, spe- the specifics of it, but like Poppy and her whole family got like left behind. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like, what? Like, and I'm like, they have that rhyme that, you know, and nobody walks alone except for if you get left behind. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's funny while they, they're this like collectivist, we travel, you know, we do everything together. It's the strength of the pack versus the individual, but yet they're like, well, if you fall behind, you're dead. Um, so, so survival of the fittest Harfoot style. Um, but, uh, anyway, I really enjoyed it. And I, and I thought some of the strongest acting, uh, and I mean, I don't know how old the actresses who played Nori but I really like the dynamic between her and her friend. Um, yeah, Poppy. Poppy. Um, and especially the big farewell scene at the very end, um, <laughs> which ironically for all their talk about never go off trail, never walk alone, all that. You know, but for you, we absolutely applaud and endorse this. Go have fun. Um, right after the chief just died. Um, right. But. I actually thought it was a very touching how they edited that scene. They gave it time to breathe because it was weird. I felt that scene was like a tearjerker. Like they let it breathe. They let each character have their moment to say goodbye. The music was swelling. And then in contrast, I felt that the death of the chieftain character was really rushed. First off, it was like, oh, I thought he, I thought he just bit it with that first little knife throw and like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, he gone. Um, And then, you know, he magically comes back alive just long enough to do his thing and then he's just like well let me sit here and and then i thought i never saw a body i never saw a cut did they literally just leave him sitting there to be eaten but you know if you see in that last scene like there's no memorial there's no burial there's no wrapped up body so i'm like i think they literally just left him there 
to be eaten. What, how do how do you say it? Sadak, 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 Sadak. Yeah, he got left behind. Yeah, no, and he I'm just went like, off trail. Yeah, yeah, and then you become one with the force, I guess. <laughs> or it's the whole Lion King, and the wolves eat the grass, and then they well, become the grass. But well, and I think I think what we can all agree on. And what I'm hearing is that overall for, for a show and for what it is and what it's drawing from, you know, what, what lore that it, they can draw from, we enjoyed it for what it was and for mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, I did, I, I guess it wasn't until much, much, much later in the process that I realized that it wasn't the Silmarillion they had rights to. It was only Lord of the Rings, meaning that they yeah. could only pull from the appendices. So it kind of feels like this, the storytellers are having to do this with one hand tied behind their back, which I can imagine right. is challenging. Which I think at the same time for me is this is what kind of like is kind of the the transition to what I don't like in, in regards to it, because What's been really well, cool is I checked well, out the Silmarillion, right? Like it's it's driven the show has driven me to want to learn more about Tolkien lore, but then it's just like as I learn more about Tolkien lore and I'm watching videos and I'm reading, you know, then I'm like, there's so much depth that was that Tolkien built and invested into it that just gets like glossed over. Like one of the things it's in the last episode when they're making the Rings of Power. Yes, it's just like. They, 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 they touch on the nose, right? Is, is that we've got to take what should take 300 years and do it in three weeks, you know? So the, there's already like on the nose, the, the showrunners are, are acknowledging that there is lore that, hey, to make these rings of power, it took 300 years in the action, but they don't have, they have to condense everything so much for television, mm-hmm. which is which is something that is a challenge for them because it's like there's no way to like okay well now 300 years have passed you know and have a time jump because i think that's what happens a lot in tolkien's writing is is that there is so much time spent and there are the time jumps mm-hmm. oh yeah pe- and i mean you're talking thousands upon thousands of years oh yeah because we get like- it in like we get it in like eight weeks <laughs> yeah and, and again i i appreciate the challenge that they're up against at the same time, as a, as a lover of the lore, it just further underscores for me that it it is a dangerous transition from book to screenplay. Mm-hmm. Like like stuff will get lost, and, and and so you almost you almost just have to divorce yourself from the books and enjoy it as a completely different story as its own unique character because for me i found myself getting really frustrated with the the finale and then i just had to remember and this has since been kind of reinforced with as people are now seeing it like this is amazon's lord of the rings and that they're almost even treating it as this deuterocanonical thing like no this is not new lore like Tolkien's thing is kind of untouchable. This is like its own tangential story that will not have any bearing on canon at all. Like this is its its alternate universe. Well, it's basically, this is Lord of the Rings, very expensive fan fiction. Yeah. This is, this isn't Disney saying, Oh, what we got, what we're doing now is canon. It's what, what you read before is just alternate universe now. 
Yeah, it's no, almost the like, reverse. We so are like, the alternate it, universe. Yeah, we we are the alternate universe. We are the multiverse. <laughs> I guess it's I guess that is a reason because when uh the rings were when the three elven rings were made at the end, uh, I had to just kind of, I I initially was just like those look nothing like they were in the movies, and what it helped out, but then it was just like no, this is they're trying they're they're trying to stay separate from the movies even mm-hmm. to no they're not why yeah. they're not trying to stay separate from the movies they have pulled so much from yeah. from from connections from the movies like like sauron halbrand's whole conversation with galadriel sure. of i'll make you a queen now you know the lines are most definitely in the book but then they're in the movie but then that's so far on the nose that it's Mm -hmm. just like you're watching it you're going to make that connection and even the stance that they had showing sauron and galadriel next to each other where was that drawing from that is drawing from the imagery that we saw in in the movies well and it was so on the nose that they even did the quote about following your nose nose. (laughs) so i mean it's very clear they're throwing in little easter eggs for lovers of the film um but yeah it's a really interesting dance that they're playing here and you also have to remember that it is season one so there's a lot of building that happens in any season one of any show and uh, you know at the same time they're also finding their footing like i don't know what what their production schedule is like if season two is already in the can it's it already just... starting to be filmed okay see it's already starting to be filmed so there might be some room for pivoting based off of what they've learned in season one with the reactions because mm-hmm. you know once once i was able to have that just time to simmer down and then listen to some post interviews and hear that they are just fully acknowledging that this is kind of its own separate canon then, then that kind of, you know, my, my fanboy ire was, was diffused quite significantly because I'm like, okay, at least you no- acknowledge that this is kind of your own thing um, because otherwise you've just completely destroyed a lot of staples of the, uh, the established canon. But that being the case, the writers need some workshopping yes. because I don't blame the actors. I blame the script that they were handed. Because oh, there, yeah. th- there's moments where you can you can feel that like they're bordering on greatness, like the the, but then there's just moments of absolute derp. Like I laughed out loud when the stranger said, "I am good." Uh, that is the line. That is the line. Basically, the I am Groot equivalent in the Lord of the Rings universe <laughs> is how you're going to have this guy come out as, you know, the, the Gandalf precursor, you know, the, the Istari precursor. I am Groot. I mean, not something like, you know, I am a servant of the secret five of flame of Undo. Like, where's that? Where's that punch? Not I am good. I mean, <laughs> I get it. You're fighting the bad guys. I think I can piece together as the audience. Uh, let me take my my thoughts. Oh, I guess he's fighting a bad guy. Like, I get it. You don't have to have him yell it. Yes, he is good. Have him say something cooler. Um, but but then just other moments where, like when, um, is it uh, 
Browen. I, I just know her as King Milkmaid is what I refer to her. Um, she, the, the gal in the, the Southlands, oh. um, when, when she's talking to her son and she's trying to inspire him and it's like, you know, mother, I'll tell, tell me what you used to tell me before we went to bed. And you could tell that like, they were trying to make it the equivalent of when Gandalf is like giving, uh, what is it? Is it Pippin or Mary? I always get that mixed up in, 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 in uh, Minas Tirith when, Pippin. you know, yeah. Pippin. Like you can tell they were trying to go for like the emotional punch of that kind of moment, but it just, I don't know. It's, it's the Sam's choice Tolkien, like, like they're trying so bad to, to write like him, but it's not just there. And it makes me appreciate the, the screenplay work that Peter Jackson and and Fran Walsh, Welsh. Maybe I don't, I don't remember her name. Anyway, it just makes me appreciate all the more the screen adaptation that we had in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, um, you know, warts and all in other areas, but just the, the writing adaptation that they accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted it's different in this one because they don't have one for one narrative to pull from at the same time. Cause at least with Lord of the Rings, there was a lot more material to pull from. Whereas, you know, with this one, it's almost like, you know, they were given a G P and Z in an alphabet. And then they kind of got a piece the rest of the letters together um, mm-hmm. and then told you, and you can't use B D X sometimes T and definitely not Q. Um, so, it, you know, I, I understand the challenge they're against, but man, just maybe go to dialogue writing workshop between now and ep- in season two. And I think that will vastly improve the writing. And if you think I'm crazy, watch Andor. And you will see what good script writing looks and sounds like. Oh, okay. We're not talking Andor quite yet. We're in Rings of Power, but it, it shows like Andor that reminds you, like, no, this is possible. Good, well crafted repartee dialogue is possible. Um, Andor reignites that in me. So, anyway, I I think with a little bit of dialogue improvement, this show could go from good to great. Yeah. I think the yeah. biggest the biggest thing that I disliked about the show that that still irks me is the whole plot line about the Mithril. And oh my and, yes, like a Silmaril was randomly on top of a mountain. Do you understand how every <laughs> single one of those was like sought after to the death? It would never the, just end up by happenstance on top of a mountain. And, a, and an elf and a Balrog stood stood still on either side of this tree and just poured their, their what, mind energy into their it? Their essence. Their essence into it. That, I was, I was so hoping with the diminishing, with, with, because obviously we're, we're, the elves are really exp- experiencing the diminishing for the first right. time. Mm-hmm. And in, in all of this, all the storyline, I was hoping that we would be that Sauron wasn't was a elf that was working in basically Anatar, hmm. that he was he was an elf serving under Celebrimbor, and he was giving these all these ideas of we our souls were, are going to die. He's the ah. one that's feeding all this. I was hoping ah, for so that. Like it's a that, rumor that he's spreading. Yes, ah, so it's hence, like a red and, herring. Exactly, and then he. Would he knows of Mithril, so he's so he's trying to get a way to get that Mithril. So giving the idea of it has the oh. light of the Silmarils that would that 
that can replenish our souls. I was hoping for that. That just sounded mm. I, that that was what I was hoping for for the whole season. But then, nope. Hal Brand is get the fanfic. Yeah, we nope. get the fanfic. It actually is just tree cancer that day X machina this thing can fix. That guilt, oh, that <laughs> Gil Gallad is just like leaves are falling from the tree. We are going to die. I'm just, okay, talking about dialogue, I think Gil Gallad is the only is the one that his dialogue just irks me the most. That he's like, I want to say they're trying to make him formal the entire time. And I'm just like, come on, you got trying to be if you're trying to be the, the high king of the elves that he's that is afraid of his people dying. You would think he show ha- some urgency, man. <laughs> so you're you say people are y'all are going to die by this next spring. <laughs> stop stop down in the elven Prozac, like <laughs> put some urgency in it, man. Yes. <laughs> I really it, like what you said with dialogue. I'm now with the, I'm thinking about it, it's just like I really wanted now explanations of how who's give who gave them the idea that they're all going to die by the next spring. Well, Sauron <laughs> told them they had to have a ring by spring, or they're going to die. <laughs> we had well, to have the forge done by spring. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and to me that that is an unnecessary plot item because like if you understand the diminishing like the diminishing in a way is almost even worse because it's like listen regardless of what you do this is going to happen so what mm-hmm. are you going to do with your remaining time like like so so to me that's a lot more of a like ethical dilemma of knowing like listen regardless of what you can do versus this kind of contrived like well maybe with this last ditch effort we can reverse this thing <sighs> mm. I mean, the other thing about the elves is, you know, when you're eternal, stuff shouldn't be like, oh, this is going to happen in three months. It's like, okay, if there's this corruption, then this should have been like slowly growing over like decades or centuries, not like, oh, wow, it was totally fine. And then, you know, six months, we're all going to be dead. Mm -hmm. Like you, you would think it would be a slower fade, but, um, I, I could, I could disagree with that. Because if you think about Morgoth and the destruction of the trees, mm-hmm. it was pretty instant. You know, so I'm 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 talking about what happens in the original lore. You know, and if I even think about it, yeah, you know, but, you but can I mean, have... but that's but that's Morgoth. Like how you you it's not this inanimate object thing now. Like you've got someone with a will and agency to enact mm-hmm. change versus a like a corruptive force that's been dormant for forever. And then all of a sudden it's going to like, it's like, it's, it's like the COVID of the, of middle earth. Well, if you think about it, I mean, it's Sauron hadn't declared himself, you know, and this is him like in the end of it, he's declared himself. So as he's slowly coming back to getting ready to declare himself, then the evil becomes more present, becomes more prominent and starts to move faster Mm -hmm. rather than it being a slow buildup. I could see that metaphorically, you know, because it's like what we're looking at is, is like, even in, in the first episode, when we meet, um, not, not in the first episode, but when we first, first meet during the fourth with Elrond, he's pissed off because it's like, dude, you've been gone for like 20 years. And Elrond's like, 
it's been a weekend, dude, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just like literally like the whole perception of time is different for elves because I mean, they're already thousands of years old here in the second age. Mm -hmm. So I could see that to where it's like, now there's the evil and it's like, it will come up and it'll be just like overnight, you know? And that's where I could see Gilgalad's panicking because it's like, we've been going for thousands of years and all of a sudden now it's like, oh crap it's like it's here we've got to do something about it you know or it's like we got to get ready to go back to valinor and, and leave middle earth hmm. well obviously it's they're not taking valinor as the option it's no we gotta we gotta stay here which i get if they were would that if since the elven rings were more about preservation of thing of yeah of things that that's the what they're going with that the rings were made to preserve themselves from the diminishing i just kind of it was just the whole mithril storyline in general that it it just was not it i was just like come on well for me calibrimbor just seems like i don't know like whenever you read about him in the books or i really enjoyed his portrayal in the um, Shadow of Mordor and then mm -hmm. um, what was it? War? Shadow of War. Shadow of War. Like really liked his character. He's kind of a wuss in this. Like doesn't yeah, know he's what like he's doing. He's like a has-been. And then it takes someone else to suggest to him to make a ring. Like the whole like, it must be something smaller. A ring? Like, like the fact that that had to be <laughs> yeah. suggested to him. Versus yeah. like this guy is is the master craftsman, like yeah. at the peak, he is the paragon of what it means to be a a smith. Someone else has to suggest to him to make a yeah. ring. And uh, not even then, he didn't he didn't even fashion the rings. It was yeah. the, I was I was, it was like all of his hired help. <laughs> yes. See, I liked I liked it speaking of the games. I liked his character in the first game. The second game, I was just like, I it was straying too far from Tolkien that I was. Yeah, the uh, the second game's got it got yeah. its own problem. But all to say, he was a strong character yes. in those games. And I I liked his character. I like I also liked his character in the show that they were trying to give more of the grandfather vibes from him. But I was so like he has Feanor's hammer. You, yes. you think that he, if he's wanting yes. to create something that is going to preserve all elvendom on Middle Earth, that it would be him taking that hammer and and forging the rings from it. I was waiting for it to come back up, like after mm -hmm. after all the time it was given on screen and him talking about you know a thing of such beauty. Like I thought it was going to come up of like wait, the only thing that can marry the metals together is Feanor's hammer. Like, I thought that's what was going to be it. Now, like, bring out a bigger cauldron. Like, that. Like, where's the where's the hammer? Um, I also felt like, I don't know. It almost felt like it was rushed. Like, we, we've literally not had the Rings of Power mentioned. And then right at the entire end. season it happens in the last 20 minutes yeah like i would right hope, like that's the kind of thing i would want to have left off into season yeah. two like almost mm -hmm. like in season one with like it needs to be something different like a so, ring and then cut 
wait for season or, two or, or not not even that just have Kel Brimbor sitting at his at his workshop desk and he just holds up a parchment and it's blueprints for three rings see we've already written a better ending to season one yeah, and um, then, then I'm what I'm getting as part of the cliffhanger is it goes to black and you steal from Iron Man and you can hear the hammer yes Ooh. yes oh oh fanboy chills <laughs> fanboy chills I think I think it would have been a better cliffhanger to know that they're going to make the rings. We don't see the rings versus what we got, you know. Yes, because it, the whole... it, it 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 does encapsulate the whole. We've got to squish three hundred years into like fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. But but at the same time, then maybe there's more of a a time jump that you can get away with between season one and season two with that True. kind of method. And yeah. and for people saying you can't do a time jump. If anyone is is watching House of Dragon, that is how you handle a time jump. That is how you handle it. And it And that's my it, gap. I haven't watched it. <laughs> well, I I mean, but but here's the thing is they handle a time jump well. So to be like, well, you always lose something with a time jump. Yes, but you can handle it well. Heck, um, they handled a major time jump in the middle of the season. Oh my gosh, yeah, with characters that I was so bought into that, like when it changed, I was like, "Huh, huh, huh," and it and it still worked. Mm-hmm. What year is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, which, on that note of like time jumps, something else that kind of bothers me is giving elves a discernible age, to where like like you said, Celebrimbor is the grandpa. But then, mm-hmm. like Elrond and Galadriel are like the I'm gonna say early twenties, like young bloods. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, the issue is that one day Elrond is going to marry Galadriel's daughter, and right now, the way they're portraying this in the show, it would be like me marrying like a friend of mine's baby. <laughs> so that just seems Awkward. weird. So oh, I don't, don't worry, Kelborn's going to show up out of nowhere and be like, oh, yeah, we I have our daughter with us. I guess um, <laughs> my daughter, who's going to have to be roughly your age, so it's going to see anyway. Um, yeah, at first I was like, are they saying, wait, are they saying Kelborn is dead? But then I realized afterwards it started getting softer, like, well, he never he never came back. And so I'm like, oh, OK, well, they left the door open for you he's know, not confirmed right dead now. or yeah he's he's elsewhere um but uh you know what i i never actually got to share what i liked about the show <laughs> and uh, i will say i love the opening credit sequence to the show i think i even mentioned this mm-hmm. in, in episode one but just the more and more i watched it the more i was just like this is a masterful opening i really like this concept and and then I, I said this in our our previous episode, and I'll say it again, the costuming. Like there was multiple times you could just pause and just the the costuming was just breathtakingly good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt like Galadriel's dress there in, um, is it Elegion? Elegion? How do you say this? Aregion. Aregion. Um, that like white with the gold gilding yes. stuff. I thought for kind of like a throwaway dress scene, because I mean, like there's not a whole lot of pop and circumstance. It's almost like, yeah, you know, I'm wearing this to the forge today. I was like, that's a beautiful dress. Um, that's Weta for you. 
they, right? <laughs> uh, but but I mean, all of the elven costuming, um, and uh, continuity, the continuity. Like if you look at like the Numenorean armor and how that does connect with what we see for Gondor. Oh, in, in the Peter Jackson stuff. What I love about Numenor is it does truly feel like the 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 spiritual ancestor of Rohan and Gondor. Yes. Like, yes, more Gondor for sure, but it's like 60% Gondor and 40% Rohan because mm-hmm. you, you've got like the giant horse frill things off of their helmets. And I'm like, that's totally Rohan. Uh, but then even kind of the scaling on some of their breastplates. So it is neat that it's like, hey, yeah. this was their one common ancestor from which there was two branches. Um, See, going on that, I was I know a lot of people did not like the armor of Numenor saying that it looked fake, but I I thought it looked good that this is a seafaring people. So you would with so elven that, influence. Like that's yeah, the other thing you gotta remember. Influence so that you so of course they would want something that is light and flexible and be able to fight in if you're in a battle on sea with someone else. Or it's a civilization that's not really had to battle within that generation, right? I mean, true, that, true. they're constantly saying like, you know, none of these people have actually seen combat. So it would make sense that their armor is relatively ornamental. And mm-hmm. so as they engage in more battle, it's going to begin to look more battle-worn and just be like, hey, this is unpainted steel because yeah. it works. Um <laughs> So, you know, when you've got nothing else to do but listen to the ocean and make armor, you're going to make it ornamental. And um, every once in a while, fight a lady elf. Yeah, and every once in a while, fight an unarmed lady elf um, that we then give a sword to. Um, so, yeah, I, so, so th- those are the two things I continue to like. Um, anyway, I just wanted to highlight those things before we continue because I, I know it's really easy to get into the, all right, so here's what I dislike. Here's what we need to improve. Um, I, I will say... I also felt really anticlimactic with the Balrog reveal. Oh, good. like that seemed like it that should was gratuitous. be gratuitous. That was gratuitous and unnecessary. Yeah, or Alifa- make it the actual finale versus a like penultimate episode. Like, because we never go back to the dwarves in the finale, which to I me know. was the chief sin. I'm like, I want to see Mark Darren. How dare you do this? Like, if you want to leave us on a cliffhanger, have the Balrog, like, blow something up, and then you're like, oh, dang, what's going to happen? Versus just a leaf wakes him up. And then he just, yeah. he roars at the camera, and then what? He goes back to sleep? <laughs> well, see, that's the other thing is now, like, I literally don't know what you're setting up, store showrunners. Is it, all right, so once they, because they got to get some mithril, right? So it can't they just do. be, well, well, we know they do. Otherwise, Frodo doesn't get that shirt, right? Like well, not only do they have to get Mithril, the sixth that exactly they're supposed that. to wake him up. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, so were you literally just showing us like, hey guys, there's a ball rock down there. If anything, it? you know what? If anything, they should have showed him asleep. Just let the let the leaf fall down, and then the, at the bottom of the pit, there's the ball rock, and you could see him. He could be glowing, but he's asleep. Yeah, just have a little spurt of flame. But he's still asleep. Yeah, Balrog snore. But but yeah, like see that helps build tension versus like okay, he's roaring. To what effect? Well, and and this is the fan service connection that this is yes. like I have like like I have a love hate oh. relationship with the stranger. 
right? And and I think the Balrog is is one of those. It's like the hey, remember the Balrog and Fellowship of the Ring? Here he is. <laughs> you yeah. know, See- it's like it's 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 that, and it's it's really the way I think a lot of what's being done in the show is hey, here's somebody who watched the movies, what, and those were like at least ten years ago. In, in regards mm-hmm. to when they came out, if not longer. So maybe somebody hasn't rewatched the movies lately. So it's more of the, for dramatic effect, it's a reminder to somebody who hasn't read the books, did see the movie, but hasn't seen it in 10 years. Oh, hey, I remember that. You know, oh, this is where I'm at. I know where I'm at now. You know, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that I think the showrunners are doing in the way that they're putting this together is to, to get the person who's like i'm aware of the movies but i know nothing else or if it even if you want to do fan service then then have like the leaf fall down and it lands in the water and underneath the mountain and then suddenly the balrog bursts out and he's fighting one of the watchers one of the watchers tentacles and like like it trying to escape from it Wow, that would be a whole new level of fan two, service. Two, two different takes. <laughs> um, Sleeping Balrog or fighting Balrog in the... And the Watcher. Um, yeah. To me, the, the moment... Uh, like, And again, I understand what they're up against because in order for this to be the the game of the Amazon's answer to game of Thrones, like they need it to be wildly popular. And mm-hmm. so they have to try to appeal to the lowest common denominator to get it to, to, to sell. And so it like, they're having to take this halfway stance between Easter eggs for the diehards, but then spoon feed for the people that this may be their first foray into Lord of the Rings. But, Oh my gosh. When, when Mount Doom explodes and then like they, they do the reverse shot of the scorched lands and saw and and Adar is like, you know, what shall we call this? Oh gosh. And, oh gosh. And, and then and then like they literally etch it on the screen like Southlands, it and erases and then and burns it. into Mordor. I was like, guys, no, we know, we know it's Mordor. Like, and even if you didn't know, look it up. Like, you don't have to do that level of spoon feeding. Like, heck, oh just, my word. <laughs> heck, it should have just ended it, at that episode. It should have just ended at what should we call it? And then it just zooms in on Adar's face for a moment. And, and, and he maybe smiles. He, uh, smile, like he holds up his hand and, and is watching some ash fall onto it. And he smiles and then cuts to black. We're already writing better endings to all these episodes, guys. Speaking, speaking, of, speaking of end of episodes. Did y'all listen to the song at the end of the finale? <laughs> I was, did. I enjoyed it. It really? wasn't terrible. If you had told me that some like some producer's daughter really wanted to sing and they recorded her and then played <laughs> it, I would have believed you. Like I I don't know. Like when, felt- when when you recall the vocal talents that were at the end of all the Lord of the Rings, I mean mm-hmm. you've got Enya, you've got um Oh, not Salah. Oh my gosh. It's the the gal, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. What is her name? But anyway, Into the West. Mm. Oh, yes. Ah, I was like, wow, this is like a bad slam poetry reading of the the rings poem. Like it's it's just- and, and that to me, if you were gonna have that song in there, 
season one is not where you no. have it. You do All the it other at- rings haven't even been introduced yet. You only got three yeah. of them. You, if you're going to do it, do it at the end of the season when the one ring is made. Thank you. Uh, anyway, I, I, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I had, a, I'll say I had that, a friend that actually gave me a good idea on how they should have used that poem. Oh, is really? Elrond El should have been like writing it and reading it to capture it, since with him being the Gilgalad's herald and such. That's and right. Like having huh. in him being like the poet, the writer, you know, have him they... actually see and him write the poem out. Interesting, because I mean, that's how they introduce him at the very beginning is he is sitting in the most uncomfortable tree ever writing well, they're poetry. Elves. <laughs> they're well, elves. They no, can... he was writing Gilgalad's speech to send yeah. Galadriel off right, to, exactly. To like, like, well, well, right. They, like they were showing that he is a writer. So but mm-hmm. but that yet it, that aspect of him never comes up again in season one. Yeah. Like you see but... him write the one speech and then never again. But yeah, that would be great for him to have written that poem but then also knowing the fact that we only have three rings and we don't know where the other what so there were seven so 16 rings are at you know when did when do those get made you know so we see probably the dwarf rings will be season two because and then we're going to be getting a we would be getting a focus of durin probably overthrow if his if not his father dying of old age it'd be him overthrowing his father and cause and the wealth and them digging from from Mithril and then Sauron appears and and makes the rings for growing that wealth and then season three would be the the rings of men. Hmm. Do you, well, I mean, the other thing we got to remember now is we're in wild open country now that this is basically just fan fiction. Yeah. So I mean, it could be the Balrog kills Durin three. And then Sauron says, hey, if you take these rings, you can defeat the Balrog to get your home back. And then that's how they agreed to take on those rings of power is to beat back the Balrog. Um, and of course, they don't kill it. They just beat it back. Um, so like here's the thing is now like now that spades are broken, that they're not really abiding by canon. Now it almost makes for a more interesting show. Because, I mean, you know that there's big pillars they can't remove, like Gladriel can't die, Elrond can't die. Alinda um, will get Narsil. Yeah, like like there's some big pillar yeah. things. But I don't know, as far as like timeline and, and other characters that I would not say are like A-list characters, who knows? Like, are there laws abiding when Durin 4 dies and does not die? Like, you know, there's all sorts of things that uh, could mm-hmm. be truncated for the short, for the, in the name of show drama. Well, all right. Any other, uh, Daniel? I felt like you were about to jump into something. Oh, wait, the stranger. We got to talk the to stranger. stranger. All right. yes. yes, lead us off, Daniel. So, so my my whole thing is is that, and this goes back to the them connecting with folks. Gandalf is the person that everybody knows. Like when you talk right. about wizards, right? Yeah. And then there's there is Saruman, you know. And if you watch the Hobbit. Movies, you know Radagast. Radagast, and if and then only you if know, you're a major book fan do you know about the Blue Wizards. And them going to Rune, which is where they're going now. Right. Um, so, I mean, there is a possibility that you could have. Um, I, I've got this weird 
theory in my head that doesn't make any sense, but it does kind of make sense if I'm trying to think like an Amazon showrunner <laughs> that that there aren't that this is basically like an amalgamation of all of the Ishtari. So it's like you take all the wizards since since the Ishtari did not show up until the third age. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I know that there's actually something where the blue wizards did show up in the second age. But I've got this theory that this is kind of like one massive Maiar soul that's going to that would end up getting splintered into the five Ishtari so that they could then go off and do the different things that they need to do. Huh. So since because they because they didn't call him Ishtari, which I think would be the plural. Yeah. Right. He they call them Ishtar. So, you know, I there's an there's a thought process that they heat this is like all the wizards in one. We're going to see like an aspect of Saruman. We're going to see an aspect of Radagast. We've already seen aspects of Gandalf. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that there's all that stuff that's kind of like, if I'm just going to follow my nose, we know that Gandalf is the one that can be marketed. It's that's the marketable mm-hmm. one. That's the one, you know, you shall not pass. You know, it's just like, I do agree. Instead of I am good, it's just like, it should have been, I'm a servant of the secret flame, you know, that to have that click, you know, love like they showed they showed him what he was, what they thought he was. They thought he was Sauron and mm-hmm. in his confused state, not kind of like put back yet. You know, he, there's a part of him that believed it because there's what he saw and what he did to Nori, you know, of like how he's going to cause pain. Think but he's, the, he's a peril. Right. You know, thinking that he's, he's going to be, you know, do something bad, you know, but then there is aspects of, well, we don't know what the blue wizards did other than going to rune. We know that Sauron got greedy and, and got went off and not Sauron, Saruman, you know, he got twisted. He went and did his own thing. So there is a part of like an Ishtar soul that can be corrupted. And I mean, I mean, Sauron is a Meyer soul and he's corrupted. So there, there's aspects of it to where I think it's if if it's not going to be they're going to try to twist it off and go the blue wizard route I would rather them have aspects of all of the wizards and it's one soul that will then end up you know if we were to go back into regular canon would then be getting split and and spread out I mean it's a really interesting theory like I mean you said it you know kind of out there like I We've already got a lot of precedent in the show of proto ancestors, you know, just like we were saying, mm-hmm. the Numenorians, their art style is very Gondor and Rohan in one. I mean, the Harfoots are, you know, basically all of these elements of being of a Hobbit, but not quite there yet. So, oh, Jill, I mean, I'll let you, I'll let you finish that. Your no, thoughts. I would say so. I could see that same methodology extending on to the Ishtari. Like this is the Ishtar from whom the Ishtari were modeled after. Uh, going off on the proto-Hobbit thing for a moment, did you ever hear the theory about the wagons? No. That was like, like Hobbit yeah. holes? Yeah. The, the, it's when the they wheels! Finally, yeah, that's what the, that was the theory what? when they finally oh, said Oh, that's cool! Yeah, I was just like, that's a fun little idea. Huh. But going Going so, to- so in a way, even when they're in their hobbit hole, they're not going off trail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. Interesting. I mean, look what happened when the hobbits took a shortcut. What happened? <laughs> mushrooms! Well, it was a shortcut to mushrooms. Yes. <laughs> and going through far- Farmer Maggot's ha- farm and things transpired. 
Well, here and here's the thing about the strangers. Like, never once did I think that like he was actually Sauron, because mm-hmm. like it was very clear he's a wizard. Um, mm-hmm. Now the whole cult of Morgoth thing, those are that was just a weird storyline. Like, where would, are these people from? What are they doing? And see, I wish that there were that we saw them more. We only saw yeah, them basically just three, out, like. Yeah, three scenes basically, and if, I felt like okay, if we w- if you're going to put them up as villains, we need to know more about them. Not that they're just moth wraiths. They're, they're no, they're they're pro <laughs> they're proto Nazgul. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is, especially in how they died. I was like, oh, these were meant to be proto Nazgul, um, but um, well, I guess. The- I guess in a way, it's like uh, how Frodo said it, that he felt that servants of the enemy would look fair but feel foul. So, of Hmm. course, we would be seeing there when Gandalf reveals – I call him Gandalf because I – He's Gandalf. Well, he's he's Grandalf. He's (laughs) a grandfather to Gandalf. (laughs) But when he reveals his – the light, that it shows basically their true form. Hmm. I'd – if if anything, I'd want to know more. If they if they're they're basically banished at the moment, so they could be go back to Rune, and then we could see more of them and kind of learn they're more. They're banished. Of them. They that's were. That's what he said. That's what he said. That when get when huh. was when Grandalf uh, said <laughs> from shadow when from shadow you have come uh, to shadow I bid you return. So he's basically banished them be- away. I don't know, man. I I thought they were basically like in game dusted. Like I didn't mm. see that as a they were going back to the the shadow realm. I took that as a yeah. Like, mm-hmm. They just like got, got up yeah, literally to, could be. took on the moth form. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just I'd be I interested. Be I don't know if it the if the shattering of of him becomes the five Istari. But it would be interesting if he wasn't the first one to show up. That the how two... many points does a star have? Five. Guys, maybe you're on to something, Daniel. He shatters into the five other wizards as the Ishtar, the five s- different sides of him. Hmm. Maybe. Have we broken the code? We figured it out. <laughs> Is he the star of the show? We'll see. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. No, go go ahead. I, I had I, I'm thinking like future state. What would I like to see, or where would I like to see them go? Well, that was gonna be my next question. Yeah. Is um to kind of wrap up this discussion. So now that we know that spades are broken, this is basically Amazon's fan fiction. Where do you? What do you want to see in season two and beyond? For me, I feel like. If, if when they continue the rune storyline with with uh the Istar and Nori, I feel like we should have the two blues already in there in rune, but they are fully corrupted and serving and servants of Morgoth hmm. or Sauron, just completely dark magic. So, so there's a part of, the, of me that would... they're the antagonists of that particular yes. storyline. Yes. Okay. There's a part of me that would actually rather see them having been 
antagonistic to Sauron and like the cult of Morgoth. Yeah. Because I mean, I know I know that coming from, you know, the the other legendarium stuff that mm-hmm. you know there are folks that come out of the east and out of the south that are not corrupted or are resistant True. to Sauron. And it's kind of like people the theories that I've heard have kind of put it in regards to that it's the blue wizard's influence having been able to plant those seeds even though we never see yeah. them. Hmm. So it's like they're they're the two rebel holdouts and like they're just doing little sabotage missions like they can't completely turn the tide and then of course Grandolf shows up with Nori and it's like hey reinforcements maybe we can Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I could see that. Um one of the interesting things and I'm trying to figure out if it's in the appendices or not but I would like to see some influence of Eru or the Valar. Oh, that are not, you know, so so having something because it's like there is mm-hmm. from the legendary. Yeah, they're only referenced, but so so. But if they're referenced in the appendices, then they have the right to be able to talk about it. Do something because because Anatar is not mentioned in in the hobbit or in the lord of the rings and any of that material so they can't use his name which is right. why we get halbrand but if the valar or if eru is mentioned or anything like that to seeing something behind the scenes of what they they've done because they are involved in what is it the war the war of wrath when yes when they get and capture Ooh. melkor so to see something some sort of because like they had to send the stranger so to, to see something of their influence, you know, because it's like to see Aule or Manway, you know, because it's like some of this, because Gandalf is supposed to be a Maiar who's atta- attached to Manway. Mm-hmm. Let know? me just say, I appreciate you pronouncing their names right. <laughs> I'm trying. I've been listening to people talk about it and, and go through it. So yeah, um, I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to take that Peter Jackson stance of I'm going to be respectful of the vision that Tolkien laid out. Mm-hmm. Well, thank so, you. So, so doing that, you know, it's just like if they were going to start doing some exploration stuff, I would like to see, you know, the Valar and what their influence is, you know, of, of what pieces are they moving and how they're trying to help Middle Earth without visiting or going to Middle Earth. Hmm. And which is something we've not really seen manifested on the screen. We've seen their influence, but never like their actual presence or more overt influence. Unfortunately, because we don't you it's always just the influence because really the war of wrath was the last time they set foot on middle earth right but, but it's, it's one of those things of well even gandalf has got the quote in in the movies and i'm, I'm sure it's in the book in regards to that there are forces of good even though we see all these mm-hmm. forces of evil moving mm-hmm. you know there are forces of good trying to have influence and then we know that the 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 ishtari from the books are the valar's influence of going to Mm -hmm. help but then it's just like it's one of those things of you know well we see what happens it's like well radagast is a basket case um the blue wizards have gone awol saruman you know basically took took sauron light you know i'm like it's like why are those their their names light (laughs) 
Yeah, sorry. But their names are so similar that it's just like Sauron and Sauron. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll say like... when I was first getting into Lord of the Rings, I mean, I was like 11. That was really hard to Do keep you... straight. Did y'all ever see the uh, the original Lord of the Rings film? The cartoon that was the cartoon. Made? Yeah, yeah. They they did that because they changed Saruman's name to Aruman. Because they were afraid that people would confuse him, Saruman, and Sauron. <laughs> so they changed. Well, they were right. I think people still do. <laughs> so, so, and it's just like, even me, I'm like, wait, 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 who, what? You know? <laughs> and then it was, it was like, I'm like, the two towers. Well, what are the two towers? And then this is like taking me a while. Oh, it's Isengard and um, Baradur. 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 So, you know, those are the two towers and those are the ones where it's like, well, there's Sauron over here and then there's Saruman over here. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, we know Sauron can change form. So is Sauron actually Saruman? And it's just like, okay, no, he's not, but he is, but he isn't, you know. That's what I want. That's the thing I'd want to see is him changing, is changing his form because he still has that power. Because I think we'll we... see it based on what the, what the cultist did yes hmm. and rune yeah well, well and, hey and, and I, I from what i understand yeah but i would love to see like their take on valar and and seeing them do something where they've like okay here's like we've got room to do something with it now well here's what we can do so if they've got you know eru's name mentioned now i i know that he's like top dog you know, so but I don't know if they have Manway mentioned in Lord of the Rings or in the no, Hobbit. They just they just say the Valar, if if that even that. Really, so the, like I mean, even the Lord of the even the Lord of the Eagles was a. Uh, he's not mentioned as being a servant of Man Manway. Maybe I don't think so. Huh. Okay. It may be in the Silmarillion or in the for un, or the. Uh, Unfinished tales. Unfinished tales. Then might be written, but I don't think it's mentioned in the Lord of the Rings. Okay. But yeah, that's that's what I would like. If they're if they're gonna go if they're gonna go off trail, you know, let's <laughs> here's here's how we they're can go already off trail. Off trail. <laughs> they're already off trail. Yeah, since we're in an alternate universe, let's do this. Hmm. How about you, Rob? What do you want to see in season two and beyond? Honestly, I'd want it'd be more of the focus on. Well, hopefully it'll be they'll be giving us the expansion on Numenor, Numenor's decline, hmm. and then and going with uh, what Daniel was saying that it, if they show the the Valar at all, that would be when Farazan goes to uh, capture or conquer Valinor, and we get it'll show just the Valar. Uh, basically giving up their power to Aru to protect to protect the uh, the land. Mm -hmm. That would be a good way to be able to have the Valar in the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even, albeit even briefly. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, I, I mean, I've not thought of the Valar um, making a presence. I mean, I wouldn't be against it, but it, it's always one of those things where like never meet your heroes mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, as long as they're off screen they still kind of have this mystique about them right yeah um it, just in your mind's eye uh something something i want to see and and something that i thought would happen for longer 
in the series was like, I'm not ready for Sauron to just be big, bad Sauron. Like I was actually hoping that he would be more of a corrupting influence. Yes. Not just a, well, I'm very clearly evil and I'm doing evil things. Like I, I felt like he went from zero to Hitler really quickly. Whereas I feel like, I mean, he's the one who convinces the Numenorians to go attack Valinor. Like, mm-hmm. so, and I have thought about that. Like, all right, so right now there's two people, maybe a third with that guy who went into the um, the archives, but like, there's only two people who know that Hal Brand is Sauron. Yep. So could it be that, since apparently you can take speedboats from Middle Earth to Numenor, does he <laughs> does he get back to Numenor, and they don't know any different? They think he's just Halbrand, and tries to influence. I don't oh, know. I'd, I'd agree with that because he already had some of that that influential stuff happening when he was in prison in on Numenor. Like he had mentioned something to Farazhan. He had mentioned something to. Uh, Galadriel, you know, and had ways of influencing them. So we, we've been seeing him move that way. So I could definitely see him getting back to Numenor, especially because like Farazhan, I think this is where, you know, we've already had um, the faithful mentioned. Yeah. So I think, I think, you know, I think there's going to be an option where you get Halbrand going back and saying, telling Farazhan, like, yeah, marry Muriel, become king. Bring your men about, you know, and then we have the Kingsmen hmm. and we can have those two factions. And what would make for good tension is we now know that Halbrand teleported back to Mordor very quickly from Aregion um, mm-hmm. to Mordor. So I feel like there has to be some sort of reconciliation or something has to be had out with Adar and Sauron. Yes. Because uh, it no, seems like be, it's going to be a. Like they were not on the same page. Um, And, you know, we also have this whole like Adar said that he killed Sauron. So was he the one who was responsible for sending him out on the raft? Like, you know, what's that dynamic? So I wonder if Isildur, who is still alive, witnesses something that shows that Halbrand is not who he appears to be. But Halbrand gets back to Numenor long before Isildur does. And so then... Sauron is like 90% of the way through his influence. And then a sealed door makes his return and is like, guys, this guy's lying to you, but he's seen as just crazy fanatical because, you know, oh, he's, he's just been washed up at sea. Yeah. And, and oh, it's a sealed door. Don't listen to him. He's the guy who, who purposely failed sea training. Um, <laughs> so I wonder if that's going to be how they play that out in season two. Yeah, because he's already set up as an unreliable voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and maybe it's he has to speak through his sister because she's being set up to be some sort of influencer. I mean, she now has access to a, a palantir. So. Maybe. The orb we get that since Muriel did promise that that Numenor would return, that we'd be going into their into their phase of not being rescuers but conquerors and when they returned that this is when they would capture Halbrand and he as because in oh, the as lore, a prisoner as a prisoner because in the lore is that he he when he made the one ring and basically declared himself ruler of middle earth Farzan 
got jealous of that and be like, how dare he call himself ruler of Middle Earth? And he sails, he sails, I think, to Harad and basically plants himself there and says, Sauron, you are going to come to me and kneel. And what happens is that Sauron takes off the ring comes and comes to Farzan and kneels and is taken back to Numenor as a prisoner where he then starts doing his corruption. Yeah. And and then released and becomes uh basically the right-hand man of Farzan and Well see all here's that... the, here's the problem. That's mm-hmm. canon. That is canon, I know. Who knows what's going to happen now, Rob? I know. <laughs> but, but, you know, they, they, they could be pulling, you know, a Dave Filoni and trying to pull some of the canon as best they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get that get that legendarium stuff in there. It's not <laughs> legends true. anymore. <laughs> That's true. But <laughs> I'll show you, EU legends. But didn't they? I'm trying to remember. I thought, um, oh, I, I got, I've got the whole cast of characters. So the uh, Bronwyn. The the yeah. healer, the herbalist that we know. never see again, <laughs> right? So so Bronwyn, her or her son or the elf. I thought she had mentioned that there was a Numenorian outpost or settlement. Yeah, they were going to. Uh, <clears throat> what's but that's going to be? That's like down like. Yeah, it's like, like a major Gondorian si- port city. Yeah, it, well, all I all I remember is like well, when I thought I heard it was it, south, not Gondor. I thought well, it was no, south. like no, it, it was a Gondor, and all I remember and the reason I recognize the name Pelagar. Yeah, Pelargir. Pelargir, that's it. All I know is that's like one of the best places to own in the Lord of the Rings. Risk. That's how I recognize <laughs> the name. I was like, oh, it's that port city that's really important to own when you play Lord of the Rings. Risk. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of Pelargir, I was so hoping that that Halbrand would have been like. He, the king of the dead that he had brought that See, he had taken I like that theory even better um yeah but uh yeah i mean i mm, I, I still don't so know what's going things. on with the southlanders like the, it's gonna the be sun. theo theo is yeah, yeah. gonna the, be the, the, king, of the, the king of the dead <laughs> now he's the king of the dead Ooh. Huh. i like that I mean, again, spades, the spades of canon have been broken. So why the heck not? You know, <laughs> why the heck not? Um, hmm. Well, I, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, to me, the biggest thing I want to see is I just want to see a elevation in writing. Yeah. So like, I'm good with the characters at this point. Like you sold me on the characters. I'm not saying like, all right, get rid of this character. They're stupid. Or like, I don't care about this timeline. Like just, Make, make some improvements on the writing. And then I think the show could go from like right now, I'd say like in all honesty, I'd give the show a six, five. Like it's, it's, it's decent fantasy. You know, I'm it's watching on, it cause it's Lord of the Rings. I'm going to okay. challenge you Zach, but I put this like kind of right in line with like book of Boba Fett. Oh, don't insult Rings it's, of Power. Yeah, don't do it's, that, man. Don't insult so, so, Ring of Power to that degree, man. There was not even close equivalent to the speeder bike nursing home <laughs> chase scene or the Fruity Pebbles gang or the Book of Bacta <laughs> tank in Rings of Power. All right. Do not insult Rings of Power by comparing it to Book of Boba. Well, in, in regards to – and here, here's, here I'll put, put my defense in there is, is that as I've – taught myself and exposed myself to more Tolkien lore and seeing what rings of power has had to do based on what they, what they have. 
I'm kind of sitting there going like, is this a little bit of how Zach felt in regards to how Book of Boba Fett was executed, where you've got all this existing legends level of work with with Boba Fett, and then we get the Skittles gang. You know, it's just like, I mean, I'm, you have so gonna... much potential to pull from, and I'm sitting here going like, man, it, it feels like it's just like, the, the, they were like this close, but then they made just the wrong decision, and it, it's like, okay, we're, we're this way you know it's just like yes rings of power for me it's got an 80 20 right it's got 80 percent room above it like where it's like there's no way to go but up right but they still had they have some room to shoot themselves in the foot and they and they could and they could ruin it to where it's just like with book of boba fett it's just like okay we've got it there's only one direction that we can go there is up we can only get better from what we've had you know and that's when we get mando 2.5 Right. That's what they had to do to pull that show out of the Sarlacc yeah. pit. But I I agree with you in principle, and you absolutely nailed it. It's when you know what it could be, and then you're given something far below in quality. Yes. Um, but, but I'm just saying, like, I'm going to say divorced even of what I know Rings of Power could have been. I just think this, this season was a 6.5. Yeah, like solid I, I, 7 out of 10. Like, like to, to me, it was like, you know what? It, it's decent fantasy. It's one of those, like, if someone asked me, do you recommend Rings of Power? I'd say, well, go watch Arcane first. Go watch <laughs> Endor. And then you can get around to Rings of Power. It wasn't uh, a waste of time. Well, well, because here's the other thing is I think they just need to mature in telling a good television story. Mm-hmm. Because part of the reason that made Loki such an amazing ride is it would end on moments where you're like where are we going oh my gosh I going? Ha- like i have to know the next episode and you would talk with co-workers at work you would talk with your wife you talk with like you're you're like we would talk about it in discord like what is going to happen what do you think i never felt that impetus with rings of power it's like well the story advanced and i really don't like i've got some theories on the stranger but like it didn't drive cultural conversation mm-hmm. in the same level that i felt like mando or loki or, uh, or or like wandavision like wandavision was a show that like people at work that don't even care a flip about these normal things even they knew about wandavision and we're talking about it week to week yeah. I, I didn't feel like rings of power had that same emotive element maybe get just maybe just get the writers for arcane to do to do the please please do so you've got the money jeff bezos yeah that's the thing that's the other thing is i'm like guys you spend 400 freaking million dollars per episode you can't tell me you couldn't have gotten the best of the best of anything with that kind of money so uh anyway i I remain hopeful. Like I know a lot of people have already quit the show and said like, this is the biggest flop of all time. All of that. Like, Oh, they quit it before the show even started. Yeah. that that, Very true. Very true. It was dead on arrival for a lot of folks. For me, I think it sends while present are not nearly as egregious as some are painting them out to be. I think there is plenty to be praised and I am hoping there will be some improvement on the things that we've discussed in season two. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and its highlight for me is, is I will say that it's challenged me to get into actually reading more of Tolkien's work. 
And you know what? If that is the the net result, then good on you, Rings of Power. <laughs> Get people into the Silmarillion <laughs> to to experience the proper Tolkien. But, and then, uh, and then, uh, beg Peter Jackson to do a Baron and Luthien movie. Ah, oh. now that's one of those epic stories that I feel like is never going to do it justice. Like, oh, let it nev- live. It's never going to do it. Let, let it live in its own romanticized literary form. Like, that's one of the things. Like, don't touch that. Like, don't don't try to shove it through the birth canal of narrative of of. <laughs> Of, of modern cinematography it will of literature into screenplay like like again it, it's almost like going through a bad transport in star trek you sometimes come out the other end unrecognizable yeah. um so some things it's like don't try it <laughs> don't try yeah. it i have the high ground here's um, what they should have done with the they should not have done the rings of, that the one ring poem song at the end what they should have done is when finally when the one ring was made that they play the that at in the in credits they have the audio of Christopher Lee reading the ring the the one ring poem did you oh. ever hear that audio Christopher Lee oh yeah oh that, that would that YouTube. would work on so many levels but it's like, just like that'd fact- be a gift that'd be like a gift to yes original fans you know like oh my gosh this is a christopher lee oh that would be so good it's Saruman. but the the uh, i remember hearing that audio for the first time when he was when he read that poem and someone put music to it i was just getting chills going up my arm it was just like well, I know oh, what I'm doing after this episode. I'm going to go listen to that again. <laughs> that I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so epic, so horrifying. <laughs> well, guys, this has been fun discussion, uh, but it is probably time for us to say Megovenin. Um, Namarie. Oh, Namarie. Yes, yes. But uh, Daniel, good on you for getting more into Lord of the Rings. I'm excited that you're you're oh, you're yeah. further joint joint one of us, one of one us. Of us. <laughs> but uh, uh, jump on in. Greater the good. water's fine. But uh, always fun talking with you, gents. And hey, if you as a listener want to join in the fun, join us on Discord. We share memes, we swap stories and theories. It's lots of fun. Dagum nerds Discord. We'd love to have you along. But uh, hey, we appreciate you listening, and we will catch you later. Dagum nerds. Game over.